0: Good afternoon. Welcome to the Fontenelle Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield. Interesting market trades that we're going to be talking about today. Add to the fact that it's a big report that's out tomorrow. There's a lot of um, assumptions happening within the trade. We'll look at that, what's happening in basis, end of month, and a fiscal quarter, heading into a holiday weekend. I mean, can things get any more exciting? Well, maybe we'll find out. Arlen Suderman joins us. He is with StoneX, and and I want to talk about that assumption. We've got some big reports out tomorrow that come out mid trading day, and there's a lot of folks banking on what these numbers are going to say.
1: Yeah, they really are. These quarterly reports uh, are uh, are known for their surprises, market moving surprises, oftentimes giving us limit moves, daily limit moves in the grain and oilseed markets. Those limits are pretty good sized right now. Um, and as as we look at what are we primarily going to watch? Well, historically, the biggest surprises tend to come in the corn stocks number. Uh, this is stocks in all locations as of June first, giving us an idea of what feed usage is, and that. those usage categories that basically are not measured. And so we take production minus what we know we exported and, and minus what we know we ground for ethanol and used for food usage and everything else. And we assume that the rest is feed usage, basically. But this year, we're going to be looking extra hard at the acreage numbers as well. And that's probably where the biggest controversy is right now. We had the big shock in March, on March 31st, when USDA came out with a lower corn acreage number of 89.49 or basically 89 and a half million acres saying that's not enough acres we can't have any weather problems during the year um and uh, we're still going to be tight on supplies we need more acres and the market rallied hard against versus soybeans trying to buy corn acres uh, and did we do that well we had weather problems in the northwestern midwest that kept us from planting maybe as many as two million corn acres did that show up when they did the survey on june first probably not i'm anticipating they're going to tell us let's resurvey north dakota and minnesota maybe another state or two and we'll give you the results of that in august uh, and we probably lost a half million acres in the south because cotton was rallying so hard during planting that planting period in that region as well Um, and the trade is assuming that we're going to increase corn acres so there's a lot at stake in this report.
0: Having said that I mean obviously markets have have finished up for the day but tomorrow the overnight trade and into tomorrow is there going to be just a lot of jumping and positioning waiting to see what those numbers have to say?
1: yeah there really is because and not only do we have the report, it's the end of the month, so we have the normal end of the month position squaring. It's the end of the fiscal quarter for many of these uh investment funds, so they want to be able to show profits on their books and and then throw in oh yeah, Fourth of July three day holiday weekend coming up this weekend, and that's a weekend when the weather models oftentimes will flip flop or or reinforce weather risks or. Good weather, or whatever, as they look forward into the corn pollination phase, uh, and you get a lot of movement. So, the, you know, I put in my commentary today. A lot of these traders are nervous, as a as a long tail cat in a room full of rocking chairs, um, to borrow a term my mother in law used to like to use. Um, there's a lot of nervousness, and then you throw on top of that what's happening in the broader economy. Um, has the outside markets nervous as well with inflation and the Fed getting aggressive to fight inflation, the impact that could have on global demand for commodities, let alone what's happening in China as they battle COVID there and see um, maybe falling into a recession in China, our biggest customer of commodities.
0: So having said that, uh, looking at export numbers that have come in, We've been on the slower side. we've seen the wrap up of the of the harvest in South America. What are your thoughts as we hit the month of July?
1: Well it's been interesting to see you know, I think we talked previously at this last spring how u s soybeans were priced equal or lower uh, from about May forward um, versus Brazil soybeans going to China um, And a lot of it was because they had a much smaller crop. And because they had a much smaller crop, farmers were refusing to sell, so their basis was so strong. But as we've moved forward, farmers have gone ahead and they've sold. They said, well, maybe we better take these prices. U.S. might have a big crop. they got bigger acreage. And so the basis keeps falling, and and they've been moving those soybeans. Brazil exported over 10 million uh, metric tons again this month, it looks like numbers are going to come at. And China, not wanting to take the high-priced soybeans, has been dumping beans out of their reserve in order to carry them through this time. Now, if we have a big crop, that's going to show paid off well for them and they can buy cheaper beans down the road to restock those reserves. If we end up with bad weather this summer and a short crop, then they're going to be chasing the market higher to rebuild those reserves. So they took a big gamble on that. Uh, so right now, China has about 60% of their August coverage or July coverage is, is met already. 60% of their August coverage, so they need to buy some more soybeans. They have virtually none of their September coverage done yet, just very little of that. So they're going to need to be buying some soybeans, and they're also starting to see some improved um, uh, margins feeding margins for hogs so the feed demand requirements are expected to go up in the last half of this year especially in the fourth quarter I might mention there was an article out recently about how China that their soy meal stocks have tripled since March and that sounds so bearish but when you look at it, their soy meal stocks were really small in March because Brazil shipments got held up they didn't have them to crush and now Yes, they've tripled, but they're at the five-year average, essentially. So, you know, it's not as bad as what some of the headlines say.
0: All right. Well, we're going to talk more about that, China, hogs, and more when we come back. Stick around, folks. The second half of the Fontenelle Final Bell is just around the corner. We'll continue to look at some happenings on the grain complex and, of course, livestock as well as we continue on this Wednesday. It's the Fontenelle Final Bell on the Rural Radio Network.
1: It's time for the Fontenelle Feature. I'm Joe Gangwish with Fontenelle Hybrids. We caught up with new dealer Preston Smith from PJ Smith Seeds, who co-owns his business with his wife Jana in Northeastern Phelps County. So Preston, tell us about how you got started.
0: We got started with Fontenelle in part for the excellent products that we sell out in the field, but also because of the great people within the brand. Everyone is so supportive and will do anything to help you succeed as a dealer which in the end helps the customer succeed.
1: Well, you did a lot of research. Tell us how you decided on Fontanelle.
0: I really like the focus on Nebraska and, and products that work locally. As I started to make contact, I just really felt at home with everybody that I met within the brand. And I know you hear the, the Fontanelle family get used a lot, but that's really what it is. It truly it really does feel like a family.
1: If you'd like to join our Fontanelle family and become a dealer, just contact us from the website at Fontenelle.com rvn
0: Welcome back to the Fontenelle Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield. Continue our conversation this afternoon with Arlen Suderman. Of course, Arlen is with StoneX. We left for break. We were talking about China, their grain needs, and I know I've seen this story pop up a couple different times in the headlines, Arlen, and that's raising hogs in China. Many say it's still too expensive to do so. Does that lead to some possibilities for us, at least on the on the livestock side, but a downward trend maybe on the grain side?
1: Well, we're seeing a corner turn there. Uh, of course, part of that has been uh, has been hinging on being able to come out of the COVID lockdowns, which are starting to do. Um, in fact we've had some very positive news in regards to that this week and it looks like over the coming week that uh, most of China is going to be opened up once again now it's a matter of time before they have another outbreak this last outbreak resulted in restrictions and lockdowns that lasted for several months it started in March and it's just finishing up now um, so that continues to be a risk and when they have the lockdowns people eat at home Their diet changes in in China. They eat less protein, more of a starch-based diet, uh, and so that hurt demand. But overall, we are seeing a changing trend. Um, Things are opening up. They're starting to get out again. They're starting to eat out again. Um, And uh, we're seeing improving feed margins for hogs. They're not fantastic, but the best they've been in many, many months, really since late last year, I believe, um, and so if you look at what's happening in the industry, they're starting to hold pigs back to feed them out. We're anticipating that feed demand is going to increase, particularly as we get into September and later of this year. Um, and so we're cautiously optimistic it's going to happen. The question is how that's going to impact demand for U.S. soybeans. Um, and, uh, that's going to kind of hinge somewhat on the size of our crop. If it looks like we're having, um, return to hot dry in, in July and, in August, then we could see China kind of do some panic buying. They tend to chase the market and we could see an increase in demand. If it looks like we're going to have a good crop, then we could see them really hold back, continue to depend upon their reserves to get them through and then hoping to be able to buy more Um, when prices are, are lower, and that's a possibility. So I think it'll be a little bit of a gamble that they're going to be taking here to see how things play out. But overall, we do expect that feed demand to be improving here in the last quarter of this year.
0: Before we dive into the rest of the livestock, I wanted to jump back to to the report tomorrow morning. Obviously, it's been an interesting growing season, not only from a winter wheat perspective, but from this spring wheat perspective. Do you see or could you possibly see some surprises in tomorrow's numbers?
1: Yeah, I, I think from the wheat, the biggest surprise in this report will probably be on spring wheat, or at least the potential for the biggest surprise overall. There, there was a lot of spring wheat that was struggling to get planted. Um the Farmers planted a lot of it late. A lot of the wheat should be heading now and is maybe only in maybe the the four-leaf stage, so to speak. Um So it's well behind normal that Kind of similar to the corn in the United States, all kind of pollinating at once. That's good if the weather's good when that happens. It's bad if it's not. Spring wheat's going to be in that same ballpark. Overall, spring wheat conditions are have been hurting as a result of the lateness. That can change. That can improve if they get their rains and have cooperation from the tempers as well. Uh, but we're going to really have to watch that through the month of July into early August going forward. But the big debate is over how many of the spring wheat acres actually got planted. And like corn, that March number really shocked the trade at how small it was and so the trade really doesn't want to believe that spring wheat acres are that small Um, but then again like corn we know that some acres didn't get planted how's that all going to balance out and so those are the two crops that probably have the biggest potential for market impacting surprises
0: all right onto the livestock side uh, to finish up with with the cattle how tight are the numbers in the north compared to the south
1: <laughs> well, we've been seeing some amazing spreads in cash trade uh uh last week, I think was the peak to this point of one thirty seven in the south and one fifty in Nebraska up on a cash basis so tremendous spread a lot of that because of the um the tight supplies in the north and the freight problems in of availability of trucks to move and the high cost of fuel for moving it um, cattle to to take advantage of the arbitrage which has really been made difficult so still waiting for this week to really get established and numbers that have moved so far this week have, have been pretty small um, but we anticipate that'll pick up considerably over the next couple of days.
0: All right Arlen what's the best way for folks to get a hold of you?
1: StoneX.com. We're over on Twitter. My handle is Arlen, arlanff F F one zero one.
0: And that has been today's Fontenelle Final Bell. Of course, Arlen Suderman joining us today with StoneX. As always, a reminder, commodity futures and options involve a substantial risk of loss not suitable to all investors. And that's the Fontenelle Final Bell being brought to you by Fontenelle Hybrids and all your local dealers on the Rural Radio Network.